Good morning, brothers and sisters. We are continuing with our teaching sermon number five now on the subject of biblical discipleship. And today we're going to be reading our main text. It's going to be the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 8 to 12. John 15, 8 to 12. And the Word of God says, By this... My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, one more time, come to you, Lord, praising you, thanking you for all your goodness and your mercies and your love for us. We ask, Lord, that your your Holy Spirit be with us and allow your word to be preached with clarity and power and We ask that our hearts be receptive, Lord, to your word and that the preaching of your word be a means for edification of the congregation this morning. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we're continuing, brothers and sisters, with our biblical discipleship series, and we have gone through basically spiritual discipline so far. Uh, We had a first introductory sermon about the subject of discipleship. We talked about the spiritual disciplines of prayer and how we are called to be imitators of Christ in being people of prayer, both personally and also corporatively in the church. We also talked about the spiritual discipline of Bible intake, how we are called to imitate Jesus in our love for the Word of God, and we should be people that be feeding our souls daily with God's Word. Most recently, last week, we talked about the spiritual discipline of fasting, pointing out that our Lord Jesus Christ did fast, that He he did teach His disciples how to fast, and it's done with a biblical purpose. Uh, 
The congregation was challenged last week during that sermon. We, I propose fasting three days, any day, any for three weeks. Personally, thinking about three things. Salvation for non-Christian families of our church members. Asking God to help us into growing toward Christ-likeness. And third, victory over specific sins we might be struggling with for the strength in temptations and trials. All of us are struggling with specific sins. And today we moved toward another aspect of discipleship. Another way in which disciples imitate Jesus and is in the pursuit of obedience. Christ-likeness in a spirit-dependent obedience. Christ-likeness in a spirit, Holy Spirit-dependent obedience. And a central aspect of discipleship, right, is Christ-likeness in obedience uh, to all the commands of Jesus, to all the commands of God. And we do that, and we also encourage, help, and equip, invest in one another in our relationship with one another, in, in, in growing into being people who follow what our Lord Jesus Christ instructed us. In Matthew 28, we see the great commandment of Jesus Christ, right? And Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And look what our Lord Jesus Christ says. Part of the great commandment is teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So you see, brothers and sisters, uh, we can... See how being people that pursue the observance of Christ's commandments is a very important aspect of being a disciple of Jesus. Being people that pursue that for ourselves and be people that talk to one another and equip one another and invest in one another in talking about these things are one of the key aspects of practicing discipleship. In our Grace Fellowship Church new class members in the manual, right, in, in Lesson 2.D, there are some, a, a list of major themes that, that are, that are uh, taught here at Grace Fellowship Church, right, including the fact that we went over that in very, we spent a significant amount of time in the first sermon talking about how Salvation is by grace through faith alone. We cannot and will not do anything that will be able to, to save us, right? Uh, and also part of that lesson too in the manual is that the fact that we as followers of Christ grow in sanctification. That's the nature of the Christian life. And the fact that salvation that salvation by grace right, results in fruit of salvation in obedience and growth in grace. That's the natural results of us receiving 
the gift of salvation through Christ. 1 John 2, 3 to 6. And by this we know that we have come to know him, to know God, to know Jesus. And by, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Talking about our Lord Jesus Christ. And also in our 1689 Confession of Faith, chapter 13, there's a whole chapter about how those that are saved, those that are disciples of Christ, grow into being like Christ. I'm just going to remind you, paragraph 1 and 3. They who are united to Christ, effectually called and regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit, created in them through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection, are also further sanctified, really and personally, through the same virtue. Paragraph 2. I'm just not going to read the whole thing. This sanctification is throughout the whole man, yet imperfect in this life. There abides still some remnants of corruption in every part, wherefrom arises a continual and irreconcilable war, war. Right, the flesh lusting against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. In which war, although the remaining corruption for a time may much prevail, yet through continu- sorry, yet the continual supply of strength from the sanctifying spirit of Christ, the regenerate part does overcome, and so the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, Pressing, pressing, pressing after a heavenly life in evangelical obedience. That's the last part of the paragraph 3 of chapter 13 of our Confession of Faith. Pressing after a heavenly life in evangelical obedience to all the commands which Christ as head and king in his word has prescribed to them. So, there's no doubt, right, that Being a disciple, receiving that new heart, receiving that new birth that only comes through God as a gift. Also, is followed by that growth in obeying the commandments of Christ as head, as king, as stated in his word, as prescribed by by him. Few verses support this statement in the confession. Romans 6 Five to six. For if, for if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a restoration like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be slaved to sin. Christ has delivered us from the power of 
We are not a slave to sin anymore. Those that are united with Christ, those that are in Christ, those that are recipient of the gift of salvation, are not slaves to sins anymore according to Scripture. We are free in Christ through His power. Hebrews 12, 14. Strive, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 2 Corinthians 7, 11. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord. So, brothers and sisters, these are just few examples on how Scripture, on how the Scripture encourages us to grow into obedience to Jesus, commandments, right, and law, in the context of abiding in Christ, where everything flows. In the context of abiding in Christ, and again, Christ himself instructed this in the great commandment, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Let's go through three main points after this introduction. First, Christ obeyed perfectly. Christ obeyed perfectly, in a perfect way. Second, disciples grow in the fruit of obedience through abiding in Christ in the Holy Spirit. Those who follow Christ grow into being like Christ. Those who follow Christ grow into obeying Christ. And third, abiding in Christ's love. Abiding in Christ's love. First, Christ obeyed perfectly. We all know that that's something that we talk very often about that. And uh, we see that in Philippians 2.8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Christ obeyed, even death on a cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Christ knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ obeyed perfectly. There was no sin whatsoever in our Lord Jesus Christ. None, no one apart from Christ, have obeyed perfectly. None of us. No one can do this. No one will obey. All of us have already fallen in something, right? We are, we are not like Christ in this sense. None, no one apart from Christ have obeyed perfectly. This is actually a task that is impossible by any man or woman in our current nature. Until we attain glorification of our bodies. All have seen and, 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 and uh, fall short of the glory of God. So having said that, it is only through Christ's perfect work of obedience and redemptive sacrifice for our sins that we are saved. It is only through Christ's perfect work of obedience and redemptive sacrifice for our sins that we are saved. Our salvation depends 
on our trust on the obedience of Christ, of our faith in what Christ did. We are saved by faith in the work of Christ alone, not by anything else we do, right? Christ's perfect obedience is the basis for our salvation. Romans 3, 20-22. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So we are not, none of us are righteous of ourselves, but we have faith and we trust in the righteousness of Christ, the only one that was perfectly righteous for our salvation. Romans 5.19 For as by no one man's disobedience, sorry, for as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners by Adam. So by one man's obedience, Christ, the many will be made righteous. 1 Corinthians 1, 21-31. So that no man, no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. No, but no, no matter how much we obey, never we boast on our obedience because it's imperfect. We boast, I mean, we, we trust in the perfect obedience of Christ. So how, having said that, although we cannot obey perfectly like Christ while in this nature, and although our salvation does not rely in our confidence or confidence through our own growth of sanctification or growth in obedience, right? We as disciples of Christ, that's what the scriptures tell us. It's like the scriptures has everything clear, right? We are not perfect, but we are called to obey like Christ. We as disciples of Christ do grow in obedience in the context of our faith and our abiding and our, our union with Him. In that context, we grow into being like Christ. Those elected, called, and saved by God, those who are disciples of Christ, are commanded to grow in imitating Christ's obedience, right? Teaching then to observe all that I have commanded you. Disciples grow in obedience, not perfectly, but progressively, as the Holy Spirit works, transforming their lives toward the image of the Son, Jesus. Moreover, those that are in Christ are known by their fruit. Those that are in Christ are known by their fruit. Martin Luther pointed out, the works of faith do not make faith, but faith does the works of faith. Luther was basically thinking about how those that has received faith from the Lord, do works of faith. 
Matthew 7, 16, 18, you will recognize them by their fruits. Jesus talking, as our grapes gather from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the deceased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a deceased tree bear good fruit. That's Christ talking to his disciples in Matthew 7. Christ expects his disciples to grow in a spirit-dependent obedience to God's commandments. Not in a legalistic way to earn salvation. It is not by works, but as a demonstration of their love for him, showing the fruit evidencing that indeed they are in Christ, that they are abiding in Christ, showing the fruit that they are united with Christ. Point two. Disciples grow in the fruit of obedience through abiding in Christ. Disciples grow in obedience in the context of abiding in Christ, in the context of being in Christ, in the context of our union with Christ. Those that truly abide in Christ bear fruit. If we we truly abide in Christ, if we are in Christ, if we are united with Christ... That has to happen. Those that truly abide in Christ bear fruit. John 15, 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. There is a commentary called Gerald Brocher that Comment the following regarding this verse. Jesus, as the Father, abides dwelling in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit would abide in them. So they are commanded as his disciples to abide in the vine. I mean, the disciples that Jesus is talking to in, 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 in John 15. A branch is, and us too, we are disciples of Christ. That word is not only for those disciples Christ talked to, it's also for us, right? A branch is not a self-contained entity, and neither is the Christian disciple. And as a branch separated from the supply of nourishment cannot produce fruit, neither can the Christian. Fruit-bearing for the disciple is totally dependent on a direct connection to Jesus. Attachment to Jesus or abiding in him is therefore the sign quo non of Christian discipleship. The sign quo non, that means an essential condition, a thing that is absolutely necessary. So in other words, attachment to Jesus or abiding in him by faith is an essential condition, absolutely necessary for bearing fruit of obedience in Christian discipleship. John Calvin clearly stated indicated how the empowerment from the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is the reason for which believers are able to obey the law of God and grow in conformation into the character of Christ and grow into imitating Christ and grow into being like Christ. It's because of that. Calvin wrote, By this power we are drawn and inflamed 
knowingly and willingly to obey him. Calvin noted by the power of Christ, we are willing to obey. So there is a work of Christ in our hearts that make us willing to imitate Christ in his obedience, as Calvin points out here. Yet also more vitally and more effectively than by mere human willing or knowing. You, in, in our fallen nature, no one wants to obey God. No one wants to imitate Christ. Actually, there's no one, no, there's no one good, right? None, nobody wants to do that. This is part of a depravity, total depravity. The world doesn't want to obey what the word of God says. Unbelievers hate the commandments of Christ. But those that are in Christ, those that abide in Christ, those that are united with Christ, those that have the Holy Spirit residing in them, willingly want to obey God, knowing that this is not done for any addition to what God has already given to us, Christ has given to us already himself. There is nothing more. There is no more benefit that we can obtain. We do that because the Holy Spirit makes in us the will to do it. Because that's our purpose of Christ's disciples. We grow into being like Christ. It's a natural consequence of we being Christ's followers. John Owen, in his work, The Mortification of Sin, encouraged believers to seek obedience, relying in God's supply of grace. Not in our strength, as we cannot do it by ourselves, Owen says. Owen's right. Christ is the fountain from which the new man must draw the influences of life and strength. Only Christ and the means appointed by him will give you lasting help. That is exactly what John 15 tells us, right? We are able to obey only through abiding in Christ, through our faith in Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's read them again. John fifteen eight. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So brothers and sisters, verse 8 tells us that the Father, God the Father, is glorified when we bear fruits as Christ's disciples. God the Father is glorified. We are made to glorify God, right? This is one way in which we glorify God. As is told by our Lord Jesus Christ. 
God the Father is glorified when we bear fruits as Christ's disciples. So our obedience glorifies God. Our obedience glorifies God. God created human beings to be image better, right? To be image of Him, as we see in Genesis 1, 17, for His glory. And these two realities are manifested in those that are genuine disciples of God. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The great work here for fruits, carbon, is associated with actions of men. Fruits is what we do, actions of men, right? And in the context of John 15, the disciples bearing of fruit is contingent upon fellowship and union with Christ because we can do nothing without him. And because of that union with Christ, the actions, the actions of the disciples of Christ are different than the actions of somebody who is not a disciple of Christ. They act different. One who is not a disciple does not pursue obedience. Is not even interested in that. Hate that. But the one that is a disciple of Christ pursue it, is interested in it, is willing to do it, is actually joyful in doing it, as we're going to see in verse in one of the verses that is coming. So, disciples glorify God by practicing Holy Spirit-dependent obedience, reflecting His image by their fruit, while being conformed in the likeness of Jesus, while imitating Jesus. And in that way, demonstrating that they are in Christ. So, by that, whoever sees us know that we are in Christ, know that we are abiding in Christ, that we abide in Christ, know that we are united with Christ. It is because the disciples abide in Jesus, the vine, and are obedient to him in the bearing of fruit that they bring glory to the Father. So glorifying God by bearing fruit is another purpose of discipleship, right? Doing so not only indicates that the followers are true disciples of Jesus, but also that God is glorified in their discipleship. So as we invest in one another, as we equip one another, as we personally grow into obeying the commandments of Christ, as Jesus said in the Great Commission, as we help one another with that same purpose, we are glorifying Christ. We are glorifying God as we practice discipleship in a biblical way. So a relevant question believers have to ask is whether their lives honor and magnify the Father or whether they are a reproach to Him. An unfruitful branch is a dishonor to God. The fruit is Christ-like affections. That's the fruit. Fruit is the manifestation, the evidence one may expect from a life in which the Spirit of God is living and reigning. (coughs) Excuse me. 
Fruit is the manifestation, the evidence one may expect from a life in which the Spirit of God is living and reigning. A disciple that manifests in his or her life the fruit of love, joy, peace, right, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, honors and glorifies God through his or her obedience and proves to be a truly and genuine follower of Christ. The glory of his blessed attributes shines forth before the eyes of men and of angels, according to James English. So, verse 9, Christ expressed to his disciples, as the Father, we are now in verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So Christ here encouraged them and tell them, abide in my love. Only by abiding in Christ's love are disciples able to bear fruit, as it, is not, it does not come from one's own strength, but from God's power. I'm going to make another reference from John Calvin. He says, when in this passage Christ exhorts us to persevere, to abide, we must not rely on our own efforts and battles, but must, but must pray to him who commands us in order to confirm us in his love. And in verse 11, Jesus connects abiding in his love with having his joy. Look at that. How can we connect obeying with joy? Well, there's a connection according to Christ here, right? And it's true. In verse 11, Jesus connects abiding in his love with having his joy. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The joy of a genuine disciple does not come from anything of this world. It is a fruit of the spirit that depends on the believer's fellowship with Christ in abiding with him. And that is right. A genuine disciple of Christ when he is able by the power of Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit to win the battle of, over a sin that he is struggling with for years and years and years. And suddenly by the grace of God he grows into not doing that anymore. You know what comes to, with that joy? On the other hand, we in our daily battles against sins, that happens to me, that happens to all of you that follow Christ. When we sin, when we disobey, that doesn't give us joy. That gives us sorrow. That gives us sadness, right? That's the normal reaction when we fall. So, connection of the joy of being a Christ disciple and being like Christ with obeying his commandment is the reality, as we see in verse 11. Calling Cruz commands, while obedience is demanding, it is right, while obedience is demanding, it is the pathway of true joy. 
while obedience is demanding, obedience is the pathway of true joy. Jesus' joy comes from doing the Father's will, and the joy of disciples will come from doing what Jesus commands them. This joy also does not signify, right? That's clear, that believers would not have struggles and tribulations in this world. Rather, that the ground for joy will be far greater than not fear, than, sorry, that, so that no fear, no anxiety, no grief will ever swallow them up. Neither life, nor death, nor any miseries will stop people from triumphing over sadness if they have been allowed to glory in Christ. So there is a natural connection between being a disciple of Christ through abiding in Him, through uh, abiding in Christ's love, through our union with Christ, which is something that we have nothing to do, right? It's His who does that. We have faith. And there is a connection while we abide in Christ, while we are in Christ, we pursue obeying His teachings and His word, and that gives a true disciple of Christ joy. The more we progress in imitating Christ, the more joyful we are in that regard. Leon Morris, he says, <coughs> It is simple obedience. It is when we keep Christ's commandments that we abide in his love. Once again, appeal is made to Christ's own example. He kept the Father's commandment and thus abide continually in the Father's love. John Owen again, but in, in a different book. Now in the communion with God. I, I, I cited the mortification of sin earlier. But there's another book he wrote. The communion with God. And he noticed how the believer's obedience to Christ flows out of gratitude and love toward him. As they reflect on the great grace and benefits received from him, after reflecting on all the goodness of Christ, Owen then asked, in view then of all Christ's goodness to us, what is our duty to him? To which Owen's answer, our first duty to Christ is to practice holiness in the power of the Holy Spirit. Believers obey Christ as the author of their faith and obedience. And furthermore, in all their obedience, saints have a special regard to the dear Lord Jesus. He is continually in their thoughts, he loved his love to them, his life to them, his death for them. All his mercy and all his kindness constrains them to live, to obey him. That's amazing. I found that amazing, brothers and sisters. You see, the motivation of our obedience is not at all legalistic. I don't know how somebody can... So many churches make that mistake. Our motivation to obey God, our motivation to imitate Christ, our motivation to pursue obedience like Christ, is our love for God. Is that meditation of what He has done for us, right? He's loved us. He, He, He gave His life for us. He, 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 He was in the cross for us. He shows mercy and kindness. And a lot of other benefits that will produce love for Him. It is easy to love God if we think about it. 
If we meditate in the right things, we will love Him. There's no other way. And then when we love Him, we want to please Him. And we want to be like Him. And we obey Him. So brothers and sisters, to grow in obedience to God, right? it should not be done out of obligation, out of legalism, or out of moralism. But through a genuine disciples, obey and follow Christ, motivated by the love and the gratitude to Him. Verse 12. In verse 12 we see that abiding in Christ also needs to be manifested in the way His disciples relate to one another, right? Those who are in Christ, those that abide in Christ, practice love for one another. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And these things I command to you so that you will love one another, in John fifteen seventeen. One of our church fathers, St. Augustine, he says, he said, love and do what you will. Love and do what you want, in other words. When we practice love for one another, we are exercising the main commandment. We're going to see that in a minute. So brothers, let's go to point number three. Abiding in Christ's love. When Christ's disciples practice love for one another, they do that through abiding in Christ's love, as we saw in verse 9. Acting out their new identity and reality as they abide in Christ and they interact in relationship to one another. So we, we, as we love one another, we are just putting into practice the reality that we are abiding in Christ's love. We are abiding in Christ, that we are united with Christ, that we are in Christ. Without abiding in Christ, without being united with Christ, without being in Christ, we will not be able to practice the great commandment. Mark 12, 21 to 31. Right? It is only through abiding in Christ that we are able, that we are able to obey. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. That's true. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Only through abiding in Christ we can obey what Mark 12 says. Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered. The most important is, hear all Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandments greater than this. So obeying these great commandments of loving God and others, right, Christ-likeness in this, in this regard for the glory of God, the more we love God, the more we love one another, the more we glorify God by faith. And uh, 
Again, loving God and others in this way cannot be done in a legalistic manner. As, as those who love God this way are only able to do so because of a divine work in their life. They must first be recipient of a new heart, as Ezekiel 36 says. And they first must receive a new birth in Christ, as John 3, 3 says, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, in order to love God like this, we need to abide in Christ's love. To love God in the way defined by the great commandment is to seek God for his own sake. To have pleasure in him and not strive impulsively after him. Jesus demands a decision and readiness for God and for God alone in an unconditional matter. Clearly, this cannot be a subject of a legal enactment. It is a matter of the will and action and is a matter of the word of God in us. So, brothers and sisters, Jesus then tells the disciples, write the second great commandment here. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And in regards to that, the heart of true religion is seen to lie not in a negative command, but in a positive loving attitude to God and others. This is the Pauline liberty of the New Testament, as we see in Galatians 5.1. This is what St. Augustine meant by saying, love and do as you like. For such love towards God and others will in itself keep us from doing what is wrong. If we love others, we will do nothing to, work, to, uh, to hurt them. And if we love God, what we like and choose will be to do God's will and pleasures. That is why Paul, call, uh, that, that is why Paul can say love is the fulfillment of the law. Right? So we have seen three points. Number one, Christ obeyed perfectly. Number two, the disciples grow in the fruit of obedience through abiding in Christ in the spirit. And number three, abiding in Christ's love. So as a word of conclusion and final applications, quickly. Uh, right? Disciples of Christ grow in holiness and obedience. Christ's disciples overcome and have victory over sin because we are not a, a, a slave of sin anymore. Because they abide in Christ in the power of the Spirit. Does that mean that we are perfect? None of us are. We are, all of us, we're, we're going to sin at some point or another. That's our nature. But when we do, the, the scripture says that we strive to fight against those things as we saw John Owen, uh, Owen telling us in the mortification of sin and communion with God. Christ's disciples strive to obey with the power of the Holy Spirit and through abiding in Him. It is not normal that somebody who calls himself a disciple of Christ is comfortable with sinning without any, without any ramifications of sorrow. Uh, 
Romans 6, 12, 14. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who love, sorry, as those who have sin, who has been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Is there, is there anything that we are, you are struggling with? Right? I encourage you to examine your life. See what you are doing that is not pleasing God. And ask God to help you in the battle with things. Our obedience to the commands of God is a proof that we love God. As we reject insisting in our own ways. And instead we pursue the ways of God. We do that not by our own strength. But by spirit. John fourteen seventeen. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. The Spirit of God is with you. You abide in Christ. You are in Christ. So he has already granted you the power to that. So in our grow in being like Christ, we grow in our obedience. Right? Christ-likeness in a spirit-dependence obedience. And as we interact with one another... In discipleship, we equip, we help, we invest in one another in the same purpose. Growing, helping us, helping one another to be Christ's disciples in, with respect to imitating him in the way he obeyed his father. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We ask that as we meditate on ways into being like Christ. This is another one. We saw how we grow into imitating Jesus in the spiritual disciplines of prayer, Bible intake, fasting. We also see today how we imitate Christ in pursuing uh, obedience to his commandments and holiness and sanctification. We pray that we examine our life and see what things we can do better with the power of you as we abide in you as the source of our actions and fruits, and that we be people that confront our sins, that we be people that fight our sins, that we be people that win and have victory over our sins as we pursue our uh, growing into being like Christ. We also pray that we be people that pray for one another, that we be people that invest in one another, that we be people that encourage and equip and help one another with the same purpose of growing in Christ's likeness, in a spirit-dependent obedience. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.